If you will, turn in your Bibles. We're going to look today in the Gospel of Matthew and probe a little more in the Sermon on the Mount as we think today about love. Now, I know you have the ball game on your mind. I know I do. I, I, I tend to favor that, that good old boy from LSU, you know, who grew up in Ohio, by the way, right? And uh, so he's not too far from his hometown up there with the Bengals. The Bengals, the Bengals. We say Bengals in Louisiana. And uh, so I'm, I'm really favored toward him. rest of y'all, anybody else for the Rams? Anybody? None? Well, y'all on my side then. That's great. <laughs> That's great. All right. Now, the verses we're going to read today and study are going to focus on the last two verses. Okay. So for the most of what we're going to read, uh, we're going to put all this together uh, under the heading of love because, hey, men, men, after the game t uh, tonight, what's the next day? There you go, Valentine's Day. Just want to remind you, just want to remind you. And today let's talk about the love of God, the love of Christ the King for us because the Gospel of Matthew is all about the King of Kings. That's the theme through this Gospel. And Matthew is trying to get across to us that Jesus is the Son of God who came from heaven to earth. He was king when he left heaven. He was king when he came to earth and died on a cross as a king. That doesn't make sense, does it? That a king would die on a cross, particularly that he was divine and came from heaven to be with us on that cross. But he didn't stay in the grave. He was raised from the dead by the power of God and has ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God. And he is praying for you right now. The Bible says he is interceding for you and for me right now. And who in the world is interpreting our prayers, even though we don't know how to pray sometimes, and we don't know really what we want to pray? Who's translating all of our prayers to Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that has inspired the Word of God, and it's the Holy Spirit that lives now in the people of God. And so as we uh, commune with the Lord, we do so with prayer. And as we hear this message today, we do so by beginning with prayer. So let's commune with the Lord who has infilled all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Our Father, we thank you and praise you for the gospel. We praise you, Lord, for your great, great love for us. Greater than we can comprehend, greater than we can fathom, uh, it, the heights, the depth, the length, the width, the breadth, those five dimensions of the love of God mentioned in the Bible, Lord, are greater, and yet you want us to know it. You want us to know your love. And so, Lord, open our understanding today to uh, hear a fresh word from the Lord today. And God, uh, affirm in our hearts as we struggle to be believers that you never quit loving us. And put this uh, preacher that stutters a lot, uh, Lord, just hide him behind that cross. And may we hear the word of God from Scripture. And may we learn something. And may we be challenged. And may we find courage to love like Jesus loved. I pray this in Christ's name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew's Gospel we're going to read now in uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus said, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do unto others whatever you would like them to do unto you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. When the Bible says the law and the prophets, it's talking about all of Scripture. All of Scripture. And we call that verse 12 the golden rule. Can we repeat the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them what? Do unto you. Treat people like you want to be treated. Now other people interpret the golden rule meaning those who have the gold rule, right? But the golden rule is all about love. It's all about love. So listen carefully as I focus in now on verses 11 and 12. If you being evil, us, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give to you what is good to those who ask? Our Heavenly Father is a good, good God. And He is love. The Bible says very clearly in uh, the letters of John that God is love. That's his essence. That's just who God is. He just is love. He just is love. And then the golden rule is about us applying the love of God in our life. In everything, treat people the same way you want to be treated because that's what God's word is trying to get across to you. That's how God loves us. And that's how we are to love each other. So my message today is in three parts. First of all, Jesus loves us more than we love each other. Now on Valentine's Day, you're probably going to say to somebody, I love you. I love you with all my heart. I love you with everything I've got. I just love you more than life itself. Sure, y'all, you're really going to do Some of you married men, y'all going to do that, aren't you? You're going to sell that to your wife? You better. You, you better. That's all I can tell you. Or it's going to be a, it's going to be a long week at your house if you, if you don't do that. Well, no matter how much you love your grandchildren, don't you just love those grandkids? Yeah. For a short while, you're ready to send them back home, though, aren't you? Yeah. My daddy used to say, I love to see my kids and my grandkids come visit us down at the old home place in Louisiana. He said, I love to see the headlights, but I really appreciated the taillights when they left. So our love is, is a feeling kind of thing, and our love is um, about uh, compassion, and, and our love, yet as much as we know we love somebody, you can never love anybody more than God loves you. God loves you the most. And so I, I put down in this passage of, uh, for the sermon today, Jesus loves us more than we could possibly love each other. You see, God wants us to know His sovereign, unfailing love that is revealed in Jesus Christ. And I said three words there. God's unfailing, sovereign love. What do we mean by God's 
sovereign, unfailing love. Well, God's in control of the world, is He not? God made this world, and God didn't just say, okay, there it goes, you know, good luck to it. God governs this world that He made, and He made you and me for His glory, for His honor, for His praise. And as events happen in our life since the fall of Adam and Eve, God is still in charge, even though we think we are in charge of our own life. The truth is, God is ultimately in charge of the world and our life. Here's one thing you cannot stop the sovereign God from doing. Loving you. You can't stop Him. Because that's who He is. And He's sovereign Lord. And that's what, he, that's what He is going to do. Now, do a little experiment with me here this morning. I want you to point to your neighbor and say, and just say, God loves you. Just point to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Now, add something else to that. God loves you because he wants to. Say that. Say that to your neighbor. God loves you because he wants to. That's God's sovereign, unfailing love. And there's nothing you can do to make God quit loving you. You can be mean as a snake, but God still loves you. You can break all the laws of the land, but God still loves you. The meanest, most cruel people in the world, God still loves. Because God wants everyone to experience His love. You see, when God made you, He created you in His image so that you could have a love relationship with Him that lasts forever. Matthew's real big about calling God our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. And uh, some of you may have had a good, strong Christian father, and some of you may have not. But you need to know that God who loves you thinks the world of you, thinks more of you than any other part of His creation because He created you after He created everything else. You and I are the pinnacle of God's creative order. And He did that because He desires a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you that he doesn't have with alligators in Louisiana. Okay? God wants a relationship with you that he doesn't have with, with Buck Deer in, in here and Buck Grove and Buck, all these Buck Roads around here. Y'all don't know it, but I grew up in Louisiana, a little dirt road north of Louisiana called Buckskin Road. I really did. And when I drive around all these Buck Roads around here, I think about, man, I'm at home around here in Meade County. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. So God loves you because he created you and he desires to do so. It's his choice to love you. And he loved you so much that he did something very special to demonstrate that love. And I want us to repeat it together. It's John chapter 3, verse 16. Okay, here we go, boys and girls. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. That he would give Jesus, that he would give Christ as our Messiah to come into this world, to die for our sins when he bled upon that cross. Jesus was teaching his disciples about love, and he said this, No greater love, there is no 
greater love in the universe. No greater love has this, that a man would give his life for a friend. And he said, that's what I've done for you. And I call you my friends. I call you my friends. So God wants you to know his sovereign, unfailing love. And he never quits loving you. He never quits calling you unto himself. He never gives up on you. He keeps seeking that personal, intimate relationship with you. And that's why Jesus came, folks. Jesus is the Son of God who showed us the love of God. You watch Jesus. You listen to Jesus. You listen to his teachings. Listen to how he treated people. He told the truth. Always told the truth. Love tells the truth. He, he was always compassionate. Love is compassionate. He was always merciful. Love is merciful. He was always seeking those who were mistreated in society. Love seeks to help people that cannot help themselves. So Jesus shows us. He said, in fact, the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. What does real love look like? Real love is serving. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul said, Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. He was willing to give up that Godhead status. And he gave himself. And he humbled himself. And he became made in the likeness of man, like you and me, sinful people. And he was obedient to the Father. He served us and was obedient and served the Father. He was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. That's servant love. However, God has raised him from the dead and highly exalted him, so that at the name of Jesus ascending back to the Father. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every knee will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus came in Bible times, we find that right here in, in chapter 8. When Jesus came in Bible times, what was one of the first miracles that he did? Now remember, Jesus, Jesus left the highest heavens and came to the lowest of earth. What was the first miracle that Jesus did in the Gospel of Matthew? It's chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And I share this because I just saw it this week, where this illustrates the very intention of God to love the lowest sinner in the whole world. Who was considered that sinner in Bible times? Listen, when Jesus came down from the mountain to teach these Sermon on the Mount, Large crowds followed him, and a leper approached him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The Bible says Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. That is a significant event in the Gospel of Matthew. Why is that so important? It is important because in biblical times, people suffering from the skin disease of leprosy were treated as outcasts. 
They were marginalized from society. They were the most vulnerable of the world into which Jesus came. There was no cure for leprosy. Uh, this disease gradually disfigured a person. They, they lost their fingers, their toes, and eventually lost their limbs. The lepers, the poor, the sick, the widowed, and anyone else might wonder, in the society of the biblical times when Jesus came, is there a place for me in the kingdom of God? Is there a place for me in the kingdom of God? You might think today about the most marginalized people of our society. People that are living on the streets. People that are caught in addiction. People that are suffering pain and sorrow. And that Jesus would seek them out first. Jesus didn't come and seek out the religious people first. He came to reach those who needed him and the love of God the very, very most. The religious people were so proud of themselves that they, uh, oh, they just walked around and wanted everybody to honor them. Uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the, uh, the teachers, the rabbis. But when Jesus came, those that had been cast aside, those who were considered unclean, you can't come into this temple because you're not clean. Uh, you, you, you're a sinner. Look how sick you are. Look how uh, feeble you are. You don't have anything. You don't deserve to come to church. You don't deserve to come into this temple, into the place of the house of God. And when Jesus came, he said, the Son of Man came to serve those who were ill, not the well. The Son of Man came to serve those who were ill, and not the well. Folks, listen to this. Serving with compassion is how we model Jesus' love in our life. Remember? Remember after the resurrection, Jesus asked Peter this question. This is that little fireside chat that they had where they made fish tacos. You remember that story I told about making fish tacos? Jesus made some fish tacos for those disciples when they got off that boat and uh, Jesus called Peter over there to the fireside and he said Peter I want to ask you a question because Peter had already denied Jesus publicly he said Jesus he said Peter do you love me oh yay Lord you know I love you now think about it Peter do you love me yay Lord you you know I love you then feed my sheep, serve, minister to others. Peter, do you really love me? And Peter began to cry because he carried in his heart that guilt of having denied the Lord. And then he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said the third time, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you see that string of Love, God coming down from heaven to serve. Jesus served our most basic need. What is our most basic need? It's not the house we live in. It's not the job we have. It's not the goals that we dream of. The most basic need we have is to remove the sin that's keeping, out us, keeping us out of God's holy heaven. Death is, is facing all who do not profess Jesus as Savior and Lord. And Christ came to give His life to redeem us and save us, that was our greatest 
need. This is true in the church as well. We are here as the body of Christ. The church is called in the Bible the body of Christ. And some of us are the ear, and some of us are the eye, and some of us are the toe, the Bible says, and some of us are the hand. And one can't say to another, you know, I really don't need you. Just, just, I really don't need you. But all of us serve the head of the body, and that's Jesus Christ. So we are to serve each other as members of the body of Christ as well. So I would ask you this question. In the fellowship of this church, who are you helping to succeed? Who are you helping to succeed? In the business world, they would ask this question. Back, back in the day, quality, assurance. Um, who's your customer? Who's your customer? Who in this church are you helping to succeed? Who in your family are you helping to succeed? Who around you as a friend are you helping to succeed? Folks, that's loving service to other people like Jesus loved us. It's also true in marriage. In marriage, the Bible says the husband is to love the wife like Jesus loved the church and gave his life for it. Men, your wife wants your love. And then it says, here's how the wife is to serve the husband. Wives, you're also to serve your husband by respecting them. It's interesting that psychologists have finally figured out here in the, uh, what century in the 21st century here, uh, psychologists have finally figured out that men want respect and women want love. Now, is that not true? Generally, men are looking for respect and women are generally looking for love. Just love me. And both take sacrifice in order to have that kind of intimacy in a marriage. Intimacy in a marriage. Not only is this servant idea true in marriage, it's also true in friendships. Whether it's a best friend at school, uh, friends that you hang out with, dating friends, all kinds of friends. We are to serve each other and do what's best for each other. And that's why the golden rule here illustrates that. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Don't you want respect? Don't you want integrity? Don't you want people to treat you kindly? Don't, don't you want to be uh, accepted? And when you mess up, you want people to be honest with you and be forgiving of you as well? That's what it means to treat others with the love of God. The second point of my message today is Jesus treats us better than we treat ourselves. And uh, that's pretty much uh, illustrated here in the last verse that we read. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. This is the law and the prophets. When we live the golden rule, we are living out the very love of God as we treat each other. Jesus told these disciples, the world will know the world will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. So when we love each other like Jesus loves us, there's three things that's going to happen here. And they're all illustrated in the Sermon on the Mount passage that we just read. One is, when we love Jesus the most, we can survive broken relationships. In this passage, he talks about 
broken relationships. We all experience broken relationships. And it's hard to get through that. The broken relationship of, uh, of divorce, of, uh, uh, of uh, abused love and, and lost love. These are experiences of relationships that are broken. And it's difficult to get through them. But when we have the serving Jesus in our heart, the sovereign, unfailing love of God, we can have God's grace in our life to mend from the pain of divorce. We can have God's love in our life to heal from the trauma of abused love. We can have God's love that can comfort us when we are grieving a love that has been lost. You see, it's the love of Jesus that helps us to get re-centered. And I thought of one more this week. It's the love and focus and being re-centered in Jesus Christ that gets us through some missed love relationships. You know what a missed love is, a relationship? When I was a kid in the first grade, I had a, I had a crush on the little girl there. I just thought she's the cutest thing in the world. And I sat right behind her in class, and uh, I'd pass notes to her, you know. Can I sit by you on the bus, check yes or no? Y'all heard that country western song? Well, I was doing that before that country western song was written, I'm going to tell you. But I was so scared of her, I couldn't even talk to her. But every day she sat right in front of me in homeroom class in the, in the first grade. Well, uh, they moved away to Washington, D.C. for a while to work in the apple orchards. And then they came back to Louisiana. And uh, she was kind of different then. She, instead of saying school, she said school. <laughs> but I still had that crush on her. And I just kept working up the courage. She didn't live but three miles away from me. And I was going to get up the courage. I was going to invite her to go to church with me. And that my mom and dad would pick her up. And uh, that we had started in the 10th grade. And I went to school that, that day, and I'm looking far around school, and she's not there. And somebody said, what happened? I, said, I mean, I asked somebody, what happened? And just as I'd gotten the courage to ask her to be my girlfriend, come to find out she'd made a bad mistake, and she'd married that summer. I was so close, and I grieved that. But I'm telling you, God was working on my heart then, to say, I have something more important for you than that one individual. I'm calling you to preach. I'm, I've got a purpose for your life. Folks, when you miss out on a love, go back and get recentered on God's love and purpose for your life. I've had a lot of those missed, you know, those missed opportunities. I had another one in seminary. We was in the uh, class there with uh, Dr. Wayne Ward. He preached like this all the time. He started his uh, theology class uh, inviting students, you know, to give their invitation. I sat behind another pretty little girl. And as I was sitting behind her, I thought, boy, she's cute. She kind of reminds me of the one I had when I, when I first went to school. And I thought, one day I'm going to get up the courage. I'm going to ask her to, uh, let's just go have coffee together and get acquainted. I didn't introduce myself. I was scared to death of her. And so Dr. Ward would start the class. He'd say, let's have a testimony. And after somebody gave a testimony, he'd sing, amazing grace then he, we'd go on with a lecture for that day and several days went by and uh, and I'm trying I'm just a boy from Louisiana trying to catch up in the big old world and uh, this little girl in front of me stood up 
But Lord of mercy, not only is she pretty, but she's spiritual. She's going to give a testimony. And Dr. Ward pointed to her when she stood up. She said, Dr. Ward, I just want to praise the Lord today. I thought, glory to God. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. Hang on. And she said, Dr. Ward, I just want to praise the Lord today. I just got engaged. No kidding, that really happened. Whoop-de-doo, I thought. I could not rejoice in the Lord. And I know many of you have made attempts at relationships that did not work out. But I'm going to tell you what God told me. I've got you here for a purpose in this, this life, and it's not about this girl or that girl. It's about me. And if you would just trust me, I'll give you the relationship that I want you to have. And for 43 years, she's sitting, been sitting right there in church. Thanks be to God. Recentered. Recentered. When you have, fa have a failed relationship, get recentered re in Jesus Christ. Get refocused on Jesus Christ. And here's one thing you can do. You can pray this prayer. Call it a chant if you want to. But it'll help you get refocused on Jesus Christ. Just repeat after this. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Try that for five minutes one night. Or one morning. Or somewhere out in the cornfield. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. See, when we love Jesus the most, we can get recentered. When we love Jesus the most, according to this passage of Scripture, peacemaking is possible also. Jesus said to the disciples in this passage of Scripture, oh, Who can you can say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye? And behold, he said, There's a log in your eye. I, let me ask you this question. Have you ever tried to fix somebody else? Can't be done, can it? Uh, one of the reasons we can't fix somebody else is because we're not aware, we don't have that self-awareness of the shortcomings in our life. So instead of saying, as Jesus said, let me, hey friend, you've got a problem. I see that you've got a problem. Would you just stand still for just a minute and let me fix your problem? You can't do that. Until you first look in the mirror, Jesus said, and see the little speck, no, the log that's in your own eye. You might see something a little wrong in other people, but there's a whole lot wrong here. I'm beginning to hear this statement, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. If you're having a relationship problem, first place to look is in the mirror. And find honestly, and, and let God help you honestly see how you need to react to that problem. Because most of the time, we are reacting out of our feelings, not out of logic, because we have feelings that are strong, anger, etc., etc. Folks, sandpaper people are everywhere, right? I mean, let's just say it. I'm a sandpaper person to somebody. Always have been to every church I've been in. I'm a sandpaper person, and I need to be aware of my sandpaperness. So why try to fix people when you need to first have self-awareness of what you can't see about yourself?
I dare you to ask your family. Men, I dare you to ask your wife. What do you see in me that I don't see? And how can I learn? And how can I change? So when we love Jesus the most, broken relationships can be mended. And if not mended, then I can move on. I can be recentered in Jesus Christ. When Jesus, when we love Jesus the most, peacemaking is possible. But I need to be very aware of the log that's in my eye before I try to fix the speck that's in somebody else's eye. And lastly, when we love Jesus, now you're going to love this. Hang in there. Everybody with me so far? Anybody sleep? Okay, good. When we love Jesus the most, we can recognize love. Hear that. When we know true, authentic, genuine love, which is Jesus, when we know Him, we can recognize His love in other people. It's authentic love. Uh, you know, when I saw that girl sitting in front of me, I was infatuated. When I saw that girl in the first grade, I was infatuated. I thought I was in love. No, I was in infatuation. You see, there's a difference between infatuation and feeling and, 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 and true love. Infatuation is when we say, well, I fell in love, and I fell out of love. Well, folks, we don't fall in love. We, we fall in holes. And we don't fall out of love, just, just fell out of love. We fall out of trees. Yeah. Love is a decision that you make. Love is a decision that you make. Listen to carefully to the definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. That word patient means that they are mature. Kind means that they don't have an off-on switch. They are consistent and they are mature. Why? Because they understand what love and respect is all about. The Bible says love is not jealous or boastful or proud are rude. That's called being self-centered. Being self-centered. Narcissistic. It's all about me. It's all about me. Um, some boys will chase a girl who it's all about me. Some girls will chase a boy who it's all about me. All about me. That's not authentic love. We need to grow and learn from that. He said love does not demand its own way. Love is not controlling. Love lets you be you, and love lets me be me. Love is not irritable, meaning it's not easily upset. It doesn't have a chip on its shoulder. It can listen to criticism as well as listen to compliments. Real love keeps no record of being wrong. In other words, real love can drop the hatchet. Real love does not rejoice in injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love is for justice, and love is for truth. Love never gives up, he says. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful that times can be better, and that we can improve. And love endures through every circumstance. Love just keeps on loving. And that's how God loves us. He just keeps on loving. 
Now today we want to give you the opportunity to respond publicly if you desire to this message today. One decision is for those of you who desire to give your life to Christ, to ask Him to forgive you of sin, come live in your heart, and be your Savior and your Lord. Another decision might be you desire to unite with our church from a sister church, another Baptist church, or a church of like faith and order. Uh, we uh, in, invite you. Others, a third opportunity would be to come and pray if you'd like to do that. I pray that this message has blessed you in some way. It's been a joy putting it together. And uh, I pray that God will bless you. Let's stand together in a spirit of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you and praise you for the love of God that is unknowable. And yet you want us to know your love. And you showed us, Lord, your love in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for loving us more than we can love each other and for treating me better than I can treat other people. And Lord, may all our prayers be grateful for your unfailing love. Love never fails. Now, Father, have your way in this invitation that souls who will come and make decisions and make whatever steps they need to take to be back in that sweet, sweet love relationship with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreed said... Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church. 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.